Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg, Executive Director of EdSource. And I'm John Fensterwald, Editor-at-Large at EdSource. Welcome, John. Great to be here, Lewis. Well, this week was notable for Governor Jerry Brown's last State of the State speech. It's actually a little longer than some of the other speeches he's made, which have been very brief and to the point. And he did talk quite a bit about education. Well, he did wade into it eventually, uh, about in minute 18 out of about 30 minutes, and he talked about three minutes about education. Okay, three minutes about education, both K-12 and higher education. We're just going to play for you the entire segment of his remarks on education, and then we'll come back and dissect it. In education, after seeing 30,000 teachers laid off, spending has dramatically recovered, increasing by $4,600 per student, $31 billion overall. We'll also be able to completely fund the local control funding formula, which directs money to those schools with the greatest challenges. For decades, school districts had widely disparate funding into the Serrano against Priest decision mandated equal funding for all children. Now, with our current formula, the most disadvantaged districts will get substantially more. Importantly, this year's budget proposes to link spending with the local accountability plans so that parents can see how the additional spending supports English learners and students from low-income families. Look, it's no secret that kids from more privileged backgrounds generally do better on standardized tests. But the answer is not more micromanagement with intrusive state laws. Learning takes place in the classroom, and that's why our first job is to support teachers and give them the training and the freedom to teach as they know best. (laughs) With respect to higher education, it's clear how much of our prosperity depends on the intellectual contributions of our institutions of higher learning. National leaders come from all over the world to visit California's most innovative companies. Companies that are filled with highly educated and creative men and women many of whom graduated from our public colleges and universities. Although there's always a struggle for funds, I want to point out that since 2011, the state has increased its annual support of higher education by $5.8 billion. And that's on an annual basis from now on. That is $1.2 billion for UC, $1.6 billion for CSU, $2.4 billion for the community colleges, and $623 million in additional financial aid. <clears throat> and that's not chump change, $5.8 billion. Even with so many of our students attending college, there's still 2.5 million Californians between 25 and 34 who are in the workforce but lack a post-secondary degree or certificate. These men and women often go out of state and pay high tuition at for-profit institutions to improve their skills and employability. For this group, I want to create the California Online College so these overlooked Californians can get the training they need conveniently and at very low cost. You can applaud that, I know you are. And this won't, 
This won't compete with bricks and mortar schools or the existing community colleges or UC or USC. This is for people out of the workforce who have no other way. And we want to bring it right to their homes so they can get ahead like everybody else. That was Governor Brown talking about education and his legacy, which, of course, is a term he does not like to use and uh, really gets down on reporters if they raise that issue. But, John, what was your take on what the governor had to say? Well, of course, you and I and our listeners would probably have preferred that he talk 10 minutes about education because he has a lot to claim during his eight years. And as he pointed out, he came up in the, in the nadir of funding for education when there were 30,000 teachers laid off. And he has increased funding about you know, more than $4,000 per student. Well, he says $4,600. But a lot of that is because of Prop 98 monies, the formula. It's not like the governor decided, okay, I'm going to give $4,600 per student. Absolutely. The formula determines everything. But again, he pushed for the tax, Proposition 30, that led to this infusion of money into the general fund that that then dictated how much would come through Prop 98. Well, the question is, how much difference is this money making and or how much difference will it make going forward? Well, it, you know, it's hard to say at this point. We are now at the point where we reached the target funding, the amount that he wanted to restore funding back to the level for every district, back at least to pre-recession levels. What happens here with the formula will be up to the legislature to decide. As for whether it's working, you know, it's a big shift to local control from state-dictated programs, and it's now up to districts to decide, for the most part, how they're going to spend the money, how they will improve the schools. The state board and the governor want a big shift where districts take responsibility for this with some monitoring by their communities, through their local control and accountability plans. But basically, it's it's a tremendous shift in thinking. And it will take a while. How long? How much patience the legislature will have? We will see. But it will take some time before we see if it's working. So schools have more money. I think a perennial question in education and in education research is how much difference money makes. And in fact, there's quite a lot of research that shows that money in and of itself doesn't make a lot of difference. It depends on how you spend it. That was one of the key points that uh, an old friend, Norton Grab, who was at the UC, UC Berkeley School of Education, made in his book, The Money Myth. So isn't that really one of the key issues that's on the table now? How are these funds going to be spent? Are they going to be used effectively? Are they just going to go to do things that may seem good, repairing bathrooms and so on, all of which are needed, but don't really get at what's going on in the classroom itself? Well, there are a couple of ways to look at that, uh, Lewis. One is, is the funding adequate for the state of California? We all know that there are fewer adults in the classrooms, in schools, in California than in most states. And that's a very, that's a critical piece of looking at spending. The other thing is, is the money that's intended to go for the students who are targeted under the local control funding formula, low-income students, English learners, foster youth, homeless youth. Is it getting to those students, and is it being used wisely? One of the challenges under local control is it's really hard to know beyond district by district what the pattern is statewide. You know, that's one of the things that a new series of studies 
called Getting Down to Facts 2, named after Getting Down to Facts 1, which was 10 years ago. That's one of the things that this new series of studies is going to look at as best it can. This is a series of actually over two dozen studies. There was a first round of Getting Down to Facts in 2007, and now there's a push to look at school financing in California and uh, hopefully how this could be spent more effectively. Because there is a tension here. There's a tension between wanting to get more money to schools, but also not telling schools what to do. At the same time, it does seem to me that school districts need some guidance as to what does the research show as to what is going to be effective. If we just let it be, let a thousand flowers bloom out there, let all these districts decide, that may not result in the kinds of changes that I think everybody wants, and certainly Governor Brown would like. And I think that's one of the challenges over the next few years, which is to say, districts, what guidance can we, the state, counties, and this new state agency, the California Collaborative for Educational Excellence, how do you know as a district where to go for help on very specific problems you have, whether it's with English learners or math or whatever? And then once you do that, how do you make these changes that will last other than under the old No Child Left Behind, we can sort of gin up the figures and get you out of trouble, but that's not really substantial change. And I would say there's also a great opportunity and challenge for the academic, the education research community to really come forward and say, this is what we know. If you want to close the achievement gap, what is going to be effective? They can't obviously prescribe. The state is not going to prescribe unless the next governor decides, well, let's be a little more prescriptive how these funds are spent. I doubt that's going to happen, but I doubt that the local control funding formula will be undone, but it could unravel slowly, piece by piece. And I think that's what we're going to be looking for over the next couple of years, whether or not the legislature reimposes its will and starts to, to appropriate money in very specific causes and dictate to, to districts how they have to spend it. That's sort of one movement back, back to the old back system. Back to the old categorical funding system. So the governor also talked about higher education during his uh, three and a half minutes. What did he say, Lewis? Well, as you heard, he actually spent more time on higher ed than K-12. And I don't know, I got a sense that he is responding to some of his critics that, or the general view is that he's been less favorably inclined to higher education than he has to K-12. And that really is where he's made his major contribution. But there have been, there've been battles with the University of California, with the California State University system that was really starved during the recession and is still starving. I mean, if you look at decades-long trends, that the investment of the state in those in our public education systems have really diminished. And, and Governor Brown has been pushing throughout his tenure, and this goes back to the 70s, to universities to be more effective, kind of questioning what are you professors up to? Are you overpaid? Are the administrators overpaid? And uh, this, his comments in the State of the Union seem to be kind of a rebuttal, saying, hey, under my watch, funding to higher education went up $5.6 billion a year. And uh, that that's kind of built in going forward. Part of that was for community colleges, which is determined by, you know, again, Proposition 98. But it was about $3 billion for CSU and UC. And as the governor said, that's not chump change. On the other hand, the, the colleges, CSU and UC, may, uh, CSU may turn around and say, well, compared with prisons, we're the chumps. Yeah. And, well, the other interesting thing is Governor Brown was really challenging 
the public higher education system to expand their mission to go beyond the traditional college age going population. I mean, community colleges have always done that. But now with this online community colleges to really reach these what he called forgotten workers who are in the workplace, but don't have the skills that are they probably need to advance in their own careers, but also what the economy needs in the 21st century. It's not clear that uh, the folks in higher education really share the view that uh, the governor or the state has been particularly generous to them. They are still struggling to make up a lot of lost ground, struggling with the diminished amount of state funds. And in fact, this week, there was a big push to raise tuition next year at UC. And uh, there's there's ongoing discussions about that at CSU. So earlier today, we talked with Larry Gordon, our higher education reporter based in Los Angeles. He was on the phone. We asked him why the regents decided to back off on imposing the tuition increase right now. It seemed like there was a strategic retreat, at least temporarily. You know, they, they had everything lined up to go ahead and vote on it. And they always say, oh, we need to do this far in advance to give the students and families advance notice. How much were they proposing? They were proposing that fees and annual tuition go up by $342, which is about 2.7% next year. And uh, that would have been the second annual consecutive rise um, after uh, five years of freezes. How much would that have brought to tuition at UC, too? Yeah, it would have brought it to, for in-state students, to 12972 But that's before the campus have their fees, before housing and food and books and things like that, um, which brings, you know, with all that, the student who receives no financial aid might be paying about 35000 so what happened then? Well, it seems that the governor, of course, had been opposed to this. And then yesterday, while the meeting was going on, he sent another very strongly worded message urging them or almost hammering them not to do it. Uh, meanwhile, many students earlier in the morning had asked, please, let's wait till March, wait till May to try to get the legislature to give more money to UC. And several of the legislators had talked to UC President Janet Napolitano about that. And um, several members of the legislature have a direct pipeline to her. And, you know, some are actually ex officio members of the board, meaning that they have a, a seat on the board by the right of their office. They may not have actually been there yesterday, but they definitely have a direct pipeline to uh um, Janet Napolitano and to George Kiefer, who's the board chairman. So... Is the hope that the legislature will actually come up with more money? I mean, I'm assuming the university is saying it needs the money, right? Yeah, the hope is that the uni- that the university will lobby the legislature and that the legislature will offer more money than Governor Jerry Brown did. In his preliminary budget earlier this month, the governor offered a 3% increase for University of California. The university says they need at least a 4% increase. They are saying they are stuck with um, pension funds. They are being uh, required to accommodate larger number of undergraduates, as well as having to maintain buildings, hire more faculty, things like that. And so, I mean, it is a perennial fight, um, you know, year after year about this. But Jad Napolitano, who is above everything, a good politician. She was governor of Arizona and was Homeland Security Secretary under President Obama. 
she decided that it's better to wait and possibly get some money in the long run than to antagonize everybody now. Isn't it the case, though, that this is not really going to affect low-income students? I mean, every low-income student doesn't pay tuition. Their tuition is covered by grants, loans, and other things, right? That's right. The university says that 56% of all of its California undergraduates have their full tuition paid, um, often through Cal grants, state-funded funds, as well as through federal Pell grants and University of California aid. But the students say, number one, that, first of all, there's many middle-class students who are just kind of struggling with these payments, who don't get full aid. And also, everybody is stuck with higher living costs. The rent crisis in California, the real estate escalation, has really hit students. And they're saying that, you know, even if our tuition uh, might be paid, we're stuck with these much higher housing costs. CSU, California State University, there's also a push there to raise tuition. What's happening on that front? Yeah, on that front, the CSU Board of Trustees are meeting next week on Tuesday to generally discuss the budget. They have raised the possibility of a $220 uh, tuition increase. That would be 3.9% to bring it a total to $5,970 for a California undergraduate who goes full-time. But the trustees at CSU are not scheduled to vote on this Tuesday They were originally saying they wouldn't take a vote until March. We'll see what happens now with UC saying that they won't vote till May. Perhaps the CSU will delay till May as well. But there won't be active vote on Tuesday. And as you've written, Larry, actually the major expense for most students is the living expenses if they're not living at home. And I can speak to that from my own experience. I know my son is now at UC Irvine and we're paying about $35,000. So $12,000, $13,000 for tuition is just a, just a small piece of that. Yeah, and that's why the, the, an article I did uh, for EdSource this week, that's where the California Student Aid Commission is starting up again this gigantic survey about costs for California students, looking at rents, looking at books, technology, food, transportation, issues like that. That was Larry Gordon, EdSource's higher education reporter in Los Angeles. And it does seem clear that these tuition battles are going to go on after this governor leaves office. I do think the issue on the table for the people of California is how much do they really want these fees to go up? And to what extent do they want to make an education at UC and CSU affordable, not only to low-income kids, but to middle-class and upper-middle-income families as well? So before we go, just any last thoughts on Governor Brown's State of the State speech? I know the governor still has almost a year in office, but it did kind of signify an end of an era of sorts. Yeah, he's going out at the top. When he came in, the economy was in shambles. There were lots of teacher layoffs. Unemployment was high. He's going out now with the economy booming, a rainy day fund. You know, there's still lots of battles. There will always be battles. But I think he goes out as a very popular governor, and he's had a tremendous impact on K-12 education. Yeah, quite extraordinary. And the contrast with what's happening on a federal level, where we have a president who is so unpopular, not only in California. And this governor is viewed as, as the adult in the room, And uh, as you say, leaving at the top of his game, quite a remarkable accomplishment. Yes, it is. 
So that just about wraps it up for this week in California education. Thanks to John for your thoughts. Thanks to Sarah Tan, our producer. Thanks to the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation, which is a sponsor of the podcast. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. See you next week.